Is the BYU football program the most Big 12 ready of the four newcomers coming into the conference? Well, at least some of the coaches in the conference currently believe so. Let's talk about it on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto around these parts is your team every day. And as such, we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thank you to all of you for the kind comments you guys had about our conversation with Jake Retzleff on yesterday's podcast. Apparently, I am like leading the horde because the number of other podcasts that are going to be interviewing him and coming days, but it's good to catch up with him. I, I'm excited to have that young man being a part of the BYU football program. Look to future, look forward to future conversations with him. Now, obviously he is going to be a part of BYU's first foray into the Big 12 Conference. The Cougars getting ready to join the conference officially on July 1st, but for all intents and purposes, this is a Big 12 program. This uh, program has been gearing up for this for the better part of two seasons now and doing their absolute best to hopefully hit the ground running once they enter the conference begin begin Big 12 play later this fall. Interesting uh, piece that came out, and I saw it over the weekend, so I don't know exactly, let me look at the date on this when it came out, uh, but it came out uh, January 13th, so just on the cusp of the weekend, but I'm finally having a chance to uh, catch up on it. I was actually in St. George over the weekend, bad weather and all. I had a family member call me up and say, hey, we've got a room in St. George if they could go and hang out, so me and my wife literally packed up our bags within an hour and hit the road and spent some time with her kids down there in St. George. So I read this over the weekend and figured we'd uh, delve into this a little bit. Now, the biggest thing to come out of this is this was a a piece done by Adam Rittenberg talking about the various conferences around the country and what the future uh, holds in a lot of these coaches and uh, administrators who he interviewed and uh, polled, essentially, about what the future looks like for each of these programs. Now, uh, it talks about, with the Big 12, how uh, the the Big 12 is going to be wide open once again next season. I know that TCU made the run to the National Championship this year. You also had Kansas State win the Big 12 title, but both of those programs lose star players from both of those teams. Texas loses guys. Oklahoma will see if they're able to rebound in Brent Venable's second year. The biggest thing uh, for this is that BYU, according to Adam Rittenberg, and uh, what was written here is that BYU, amongst the uh, coaches and administrators, etc., that were polled as part of this, they were all anonymous, BYU is considered to be the best uh, prepared team to go into the Big 12 and compete right away. The, the direct quote, BYU is seen as the program most equipped to handle a full-blown Power 5 schedule, followed closely by UCF. He also said that Big 12 coaches, quote, expect some bumps for all four teams. That should not come as any surprise because BYU is losing plenty of talent in their own right. Uh, four, no, excuse me, five uh, starting caliber offensive linemen have exited the program. You have your quarterback leaving. You have your top running back leaving. Like That's uh, two linebackers. You can go down that list. There's a number of guys leaving the BYU football program, but I think the reason for the uh, 
optimism from these coaches about about the Big 12 is this. BYU in the past two seasons has played 12 Power 5 teams. It's an average of six per season. Half of their record, or not half the record, half of their uh, schedule have been Power 5 opponents. The other three schools coming in to the Big 12, UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati, have played a grand total of 15 games combined against Power 5 teams in that same time frame, going 6-9. and nine. BYU is 8-4 and four in those 12 games that they have played. And I know that the AAC and the scheduling is going to obviously limit programs like Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati from playing the same number of teams that BYU has played. But that experience going up against top-shelf competition, top-level competition, no matter if it's uh, Pac-12, Big 12, SEC, Big 10, or ACC, is going to pay dividends for BYU because I think a lot of the players already in this program, whether they're holdovers from this past season, they've been playing for BYU for a number of years now, two or three years, the fact that they have faced Power 5 competition is going to have them better situated and better prepared to go up against the grind that is a Power 5 schedule. Now, six Power 5 games a season is not the same as nine. You're adding 50% more games going into the Big 12 this year, and that's going to be a leap that BYU's players are going to have to absorb. They will play a 10th Power 5 opponent this season as well with that road game at Arkansas. And we'll talk about the East Carolina adjustment here in a minute, catching up on the other news from the weekend. But uh, the the biggest thing is, I think the reason for the optimism from these coaches, or at least the thought that BYU will be the best program to compete, or I guess the best prepared program to compete, is the fact that BYU has tried to put together as big of a Power 5 type schedule as you possibly could put together. You look at the other independents out there, outside of Notre Dame, do any of them schedule or have they scheduled the way that BYU has? No. Army legitimately schedules two FCS games each year because they want to play more home games versus is maybe playing a bigger a bigger power five type opponent every season. BYU, to their credit, has been unafraid of scheduling big intersectional games, and that is going to pay dividends as BYU goes into the Big 12 here. Now, are there going to be adjustments needed to make sure guys stay healthier? Are there going to be adjustments needed in terms of their recruiting prowess to build up the talent base and the depth that BYU needs to compete against nine or ten conf- uh, not conference games, nine conference games plus maybe one, maybe two other Power 5 level opponents in a non-conference slate? absolutely. freaking lootly They're going to have to upgrade that, and it's going to take them some time to get to that level. But I really like that uh, BYU is being considered one of the teams that can come in and compete right away. I've said it once, I'll say it again. I think BYU, the benchmark for success at this juncture, so we're talking mid-January, we're a full nine months away from BYU kicking off the season, I guess less than that, but regardless, uh, my expectation for BYU year one of the Big 12, you get to six and six. You get to bowl eligibility. Anything beyond six wins in the first year of the Big 12 era for BYU, I consider that gravy on top, and that's an absolutely great season for the Cougars because this is a whole new challenge BYU is, uh, is biting off. They have played in G5 leagues their entirety of their their football program's history outside of the last 12 years, and that build up through the last 12 years during that independent era was all put together with the thought that one day they would finally break through and become a member of the Power 5 ranks and give themselves that opportunity to go out there and compete against the very best of the best. This is a huge opportunity, and like Adam Rittenberg says, he believes that the Big 12, and not him saying it, it's him reporting, 
that these coaches in the Big 12 think that the Big 12 is going to be far more open than some might think it to be going into this next season. So could BYU pick off a winner here or there that uh, that makes people think, wow, what has BYU got capable of doing? Sure, they could absolutely do that. But I- I'm, I'm going to stick with this. Six and six, that, that, that is the benchmark for success for me going into this season. Many of you will recall in the lead up to last season, I said nine wins was the benchmark for BYU success in that season. When we went out of four games, losing streak in the month of October, well that benchmark went right out the window. They did rally to get to 8-5 and five, and that was okay but it did not live up to the expectations I think you or I had out there for this BYU football program. Let me just say it right now. 6-6 six and six is where I stand right now. Could I revise my opinion uh, based on spring ball, based on what I'm seeing from the Big 12? Yes, I reserve that right. But I, I think the way that BYU's gone about things right now, they've tried to prepare themselves as best they possibly can going into this Big 12 era. But there's a lot that you still will not really be able to know about yourself until you ultimately get in there and just kind of get into the daily grind of playing as a Power 5 uh, level program. It's going to take some adjustment. It's going to take take BYU experiencing things and saying, okay, what we had planned for didn't work. Now we need to adjust and be better in this department. And I expect that BYU will do just that. All right. So, with that said, let's also talk about some adjustments on the schedule for BYU non-conference-wise. Uh, East Carolina, a team that BYU lost to this past season, uh, they have a future game that has been moved. Also, another member of the BYU football program has entered the NCAA transfer portal. How big of a, de- of a deal is Isaiah Perez leaving the program for BYU? We'll get to all of that in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat and don't want all the fat and calories that come with your typical treats? Then you got to try a Built Bar, my friends. They are the best tasting protein bars that I have ever had. I'm serious about this. We just got through the holidays a few weeks ago. I know my goal was to eat a little healthier this year. I've succeeded in some portions, have not succeeded in others, but Built Bar is helping me stick to the plan as best as possible. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. You will not believe how healthy these things are for you, but but how delicious they are. They got incredibly unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. My favorite recently has actually been a snickerdoodle flavor they actually did during the month of December. The best part about Built is they put out all kinds of different flavors all times of the year. So give them a shot, my friends. Their macros on these are incredible. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, but an amazing 17 grams of protein packed into each one of these bars. The best part is if you don't want to go online and have to wait for your order to be shipped to you, you can stop into your local Smith's or Sam's Club right now and get your order. They have a 4-bar pack at Smith's that's available to you guys now. Uh, Cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff, all available at your local Smith. Stop in and get them right now. Or if you want to go to Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13-bar pack of their hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. They're absolutely incredible. But you also can still order them online. If the flavor profile from those two... Uh, I guess some brick and mortar stores are not what you're looking for. Go to built.com right now. Place your order there. Use the promo code locked on 15 for 15% off your order. Yeah. You still have to go online to get the discount, but if you want those built bars right now, stop into Smith's or Sam's club. Thank me later. Once again, that's built.com promo code locked on 15 for 15% off your order. Do it all with our friends at built bar. Thank you once again for checking out Locked On Cougars and making it your first listen every single day. Make sure you guys check out our brand new podcast. It's called Locked On College Basketball. It's everything you need to know about the college basketball sphere in one place. You hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players, and get the inside scoop on everything going on with college hoops. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, two pieces of news to talk about here as we continue on on today's show. Let's start off with the scheduling news. Announcement came yesterday, uh, actually came via 
via East Carolina's website. I don't remember who noticed it first. I saw reports from a good friend of mine at KSLSports.com, Mitch Harper, uh, and he said that uh, the ECU game, East Carolina, BYU and ECU played this past season a narrow win at Lavelle Edwards Stadium between BYU and the Pirates. The Pirates won that game. Well, they had originally scheduled the return game in that home-and-home home series for 2024. That game has now been moved to 2025. We played uh, down there in East Carolina. On September 20th, 2025, that essentially sets BYU's non-conference schedule uh, for the next three years at minimum. And what I mean by that is uh, 2023, there's nothing really to look at outside of the fact that they have home games against Sam Houston on September 2nd to kick off the season this fall, Southern Utah the following week, and then a road trip to Arkansas. Now, with the move of East Carolina to 2025, your 2024 schedule is set as well. Uh, You have August 31st, a home game against Southern Illinois, September 7th, you go to Utah to resume the Holy War series against the Utes. And then September 14th, a game that I just don't get why BYU is playing, but nonetheless, they're going to play it, it looks like. September 14th, they make the trip to Laramie to take on the Wyoming Cowboys. Then, in 2025, you have Southern Utah as your opener on September 6th, 2025. You have that road game at East Carolina on September 20th, and then currently, it's still a date TBA on a home game against Utah. That could end up uh, as a game for for BYU um, uh, as a game that BYU plays uh, either September 13th against Utah, but Utah is currently slated to visit Wyoming that week, or uh, could you maybe petition for a week zero game? That's the thing about this. It could move that game a little bit, but it looks like you have your non-conference slate scheduled out for at least the first three years of the Big 12 era. Am I completely satisfied with it? Mm, Not really, but... Nonetheless, the biggest thing I just talked about is BYU is just trying to tread water right now and build a program that can compete game in and game out in the Big 12. Do you have to bite off a little bit of the the weaker uh, opposition maybe in your non-conference slate to help you out with that? Absolutely, because Sam Houston and Southern Utah, those are scheduled wins for BYU in 2023. Southern Illinois and at Wyoming should be wins in 2024. And then in 2025, Southern Utah and ECU are thought to be uh, scheduled wins for BYU. The other game, the, the third game, and quote-unquote A game that you have there at Arkansas, at Utah, home to Utah. Okay, those are pretty stout uh, opponents in terms of an SEC team and, of course, your arch rival in the Utes. So I think it's a pretty solid way to go about scheduling. I'd like to see BYU continue to do what they've done in their independent era and just kind of continue to schedule big, bad opponents and just play them. I know that uh, taking L's, taking losses is not very fun if you're a fan, but wouldn't you like to see BYU play bigger name opponents than playing the likes of Sam Houston State? Nothing against the Bearcats. It's the first game literally ever of their FBS tenure as a G5 uh, program, but I'd rather see BYU they canceled the game against the series against uh, Miami last week. I'd like to see more of those games. Now, if you look further out in the future, they've got games against Arizona. Uh, there's also Ole Miss out there, Virginia Tech, Stanford, Michigan State. Uh, so there, there are a number of games out there going on into the middle part of the next decade for BYU in terms of their non-conference scheduling, but you and I both know that those can change in an instant. Some team could say, you know what? We need to change our schedule a little bit. Uh, how much do we owe you on that buyout BYU? Oh yeah, here you go. And, and they can move on from it. But nonetheless, 
Hopefully, BYU will continue to schedule pretty aggressively when it comes to their non-conference slate, and we'll ultimately see where where it pans out. Now, the other piece of news uh, in terms of the minutia here for BYU football was the announcement uh, earlier, uh, which actually came yesterday, that Isaiah Perez, BYU defensive lineman, announced that he is entering the NCAA transfer portal. His uh, tweet said this, I want to express my appreciation and gratitude to the BYU football program, coaches, and all my teammates. With that being said, yes, the famous with that being said, I have entered the transfer portal with four years of eligibility. Hyundai versus the other guys. Now, oh, man, I don't know Look what Hyundai here. has. Let's check that out. That was fun. Hyundai. We're doing ads up for Hyundai here. But nonetheless, uh, Isaiah Perez announcing he's entering the NCAA transfer portal. Wow, that was weird. Didn't have that ad. Expect that to pop up. But regardless, Isaiah Perez entering the transfer portal. What to make of this? Now, Isaiah Perez is the nephew of Eddie Keel, uh, a guy that BYU was fairly high on when he came out of high school, went to Othello High School up there in Washington, was a kind of a low three-star prospect, according to 24-7 Sports. I thought that Perez, if he was able to come home off of a mission and get into shape right away, might be able to be uh, more of an option for BYU, but he's three years removed uh, from playing high school football, uh, was a redshirt this past season, never really did much in practice, spent most of his time on the practice squad getting himself back into shape, and frankly, this is kind of the day and age of college football. Did he fit with the future plans that Jay Hill's BYU's defensive coordinator had? Maybe not. Maybe he was told, hey, here's what the future looks like for you. You can you can, you can, can take it or leave it here. And maybe he ultimately opted, you know what, it's time for me to look elsewhere. Maybe he's looking for an opportunity just to get on the field and play because BYU's got a glut of guys, and I don't say necessarily talent because there's a lot of bodies, but I'm not 100% convinced that the defensive line has a ton of talent on it currently just based on how BYU's defense performed last season. But there are so many guys in that position group, whether it's a defensive tackle, defensive end, rush end, whatever the position is, there are so many bodies there that maybe Perez saw the writing on the wall and said, you know what, I just need to find a way onto the football field, and that's not going to happen here at BYU. So you wish him the best and wish him nothing uh, but success in his future. And this is a guy who had BYU uh, family, like I said, Eddie Keel, former BYU offensive lineman, is his uncle. Uh, I think he's got a connection to Carlos Nuno, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So He's got BYU uh, blood in him, uh, so to say, but you wish him the best moving forward here. I I don't necessarily think this is a crippling blow for the BYU football program, but guys have to make the decisions. I I believe that the NCAA transfer portal, the window closes, I believe it was January 18th, so just a couple of days away. So if BYU players have any thought of leaving at this juncture, they got to do it uh, by tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, tomorrow, uh, uh, January 18th. It might even be, be, no, that might be today, regardless. It's coming quick. Now, there will be another window opening up at the end of spring ball, and I would expect that there will be some guys that go through spring ball and realize, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. This defense doesn't work out. I'm not getting the looks I'm uh, I'm expecting. That may ultimately play a role in some guys leaving after spring, but I think the, the bulk of BYU's exits, if that makes sense, guys leaving the program right now, have come in this window. Uh, I, it's actually less than I anticipated originally, but... I'm also looking forward to seeing what BYU's roster look like looks like when spring ball comes because there will be walk-ons inevitably who did not necessarily make an announcement that they're leaving the program, just ultimately decided to move on with life, and that obviously will kind of thin the ranks in, in a way, and it'll be interesting to see where that ultimately shakes out, but we will not get that for another month plus, it looks like, unless BYU is feeling generous and decides to update their roster between now and then. Now, I'll be checking periodically to see if they actually do that, and we'll also look to see what BYU 
BYU announces on signing day in terms of if they put out a roster of, okay, here's guys coming in, here's guys uh, that are return missionaries, that type of stuff. That'll also help us kind of balance the numbers and know exactly how BYU is going about things. But regardless uh, of all of that, wish Isaiah Perez the absolute best moving forward. Hopefully he can find a spot for himself to play and uh, just succeed. That's the biggest thing. Is I, Any kid who plays college football, I just want them to have the opportunity to play because it's, it's a dream come true for a number of these guys to get out there on the football field and for them to have that uh, taken away from them or to have it cut short or to not have the opportunity to live up to the potential you feel like you have it within yourself. Go out and find that opportunity if it's not working out at the program that it, that you have. That you have that right now as a college athlete. Now, you as a fan may not be completely satisfied with how the transfer portal is working out and how it how it benefits athletes in a way and it can cripple programs. I, I get all that. I, I get the frustration on that front, but also realize that coaches can come and go as as much as they want. Why shouldn't athletes be able to do this? Student regular students also have the opportunity. You can up and leave any university you want at any time. At, you have to give up a scholarship potentially, sure, but you could. You have that God-given right to do that. Why shouldn't a student athlete have that same opportunity? So once again, wish Isaiah Perez absolutely the best. Do I think it cripples BYU's defensive line? By no means does it do that. But I think that it was more of a him maybe realizing writing was on the ball. Okay, maybe I need to find a, another spot for myself to live out my dreams of playing college football. It's fun to be on a football program and wear that jersey, but stand on the sideline is a completely different reality than ultimately suiting up and getting out there on the football field and actually competing. All right, uh, we'll round out today's show with some final notes on BYU basketball. Also, a really good spot for BYU athletics to be in in the Director's Cup standings at the end of the fall season we'll get to. And of course, we pick back up right where we left off late last week with our look back at all 155 games in BYU's independent era. We're talking about BYU and New Mexico State in 2011 as we get close to the end of the first season of BYU's independent run. We'll get to all of that in mere moments. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at UCCU. And my friends, UCCU is opening a new branch in Vineyard, Utah. And it's crazy to think because I grew up just a stone's throw away from Vineyard. But to celebrate, UCCU is giving away a 2023 Kawasaki Terex 4 UTV. Vineyard is one of the fastest growing cities in the state. And I can tell you that much because, like I said, I grew up not even 10 minutes away. But their brand new branch offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch. Multiple drive-up lanes, a 24-hour ATM, and UCCU's new interactive teller machines or ITM for short, which provides all the benefits of meeting with a real UCCU professional, either in branch or right from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection. So celebrate the new Vineyard UCCU branch, and while you're there, enter to win that 2023 Kawasaki Terex 4 UTV. The winner will be announced in April, just in time for summer fun for you to take it out on the trails. Stop by UCCU's new branch in Vineyard today, conveniently located right next to the Megaplex Theaters and Top Golf, or enter at uccu.com. The best part is you don't have to be a member of UCC, excuse me, UCCU to enter. You don't have to be a member of the credit union and there's no purchase necessary to get into the sweepstakes. Once again, uh, enter to win right now by going to uccu.com to learn more about this giveaway. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. A number of you have reached out and said that you you emailed about uh, advertising with the podcast. I have not seen those emails. And Bradford, I know that you said you've emailed twice. So Bradford, I'm going to do something I've never done on this podcast, and I don't mind if you guys use this email address either. Send it to my personal email, jhatch, so the, the letter J, 
H-A-T-C-H-7-7 at gmail.com. Send it to me there uh, with your inquiries. Apparently, the Locked On BYU uh, inbox apparently is having issues. I'm not seeing those emails popping up, so I I sincerely apologize uh, if you've reached out about advertising and you have not heard back. That's uh, that's a failure on my part, and I I truly appreciate you guys uh, letting me know, especially in case of Bradford uh, messaging me on YouTube and saying that he hasn't heard back. So, Bradford, once again, jhatch77 at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with the podcast, we'd love nothing more than to have you guys on board with us right now. All right, before we go on today's show, a couple of notes for you guys. The BYU Athletic Department is number three in the Learfield Directors Cup's final standings for the fall 2022 season. They stand behind North Carolina and Stanford, who's a perennial heavyweight in this competition. Number four is Ohio State, Syracuse, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Texas, Virginia, and Alabama. BYU is right there among the nation's elite in terms of the overall depth and breadth of BYU's competitiveness in their athletic department with the with the football program, women's uh, soccer, women's volleyball, cross country. You can think of all the fall sports and how good BYU has been. Every year, BYU seems to come out of the fall season in a very good spot. And every year, it seems like in the spring sports, the hope is that they can continue to make that run. We'll see what the spring holds for BYU, but a top 10 finish once again, is not out of the question. Uh, BYU's, according to the release here, BYU's finished in the top five of the fall standings for four consecutive years of competition and in five of the last six years overall. So it's a really, really good place for BYU to be. Uh, there's fall sports combined to generate 314.5 points. Men's cross country led the way with 85 points, the most of any team overall. So we'll see what happens uh, for BYU in the spring. That's a very, very cool thing. And of course, in April, the official uh, final standings will come out. Now, BYU basketball over the weekend took care of business uh, both the men's and women's teams in wins over Pepperdine go to see BYU men not allow that Gonzaga loss to linger uh, obviously you want to see them avoid having a letdown with that type of a game. Uh, BYU women's basketball won their sixth straight with their win at Pepperdine on Saturday afternoon, 63-52 to for the women. It was 91-81 to for the men. Six uh, men's uh, players were in double figures scoring in that game. Lauren Gustin snagged another 20 rebounds to go with 10 points for her 17th double-double of the season. She now has six games this season with 20 or more rebounds. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. Three of them in a row here. So good things happening for BYU basketball. The women's team returns home this week while the men's team heads out on the road to the Bay Area. So big opportunity for BYU men's basketball to go out on the road here and hopefully uh, pick up a couple more wins. We'll talk about more about that on tomorrow and Thursday's show as we get a little closer to that action. All right, now before we go on today's show, our look back at all 155 BYU uh, uh games of their independent era stops on New Mexico State. Now, in 2011, BYU and New Mexico State were actually in, a, in similar circumstances to what they are right now. New Mexico State actually was 4-6 uh, coming into this game and was thought, okay, there's an outside chance for the New Mexico State Aggies to make bowl eligibility. Well, BYU had already accomplished bowl eligibility. was sitting at 7-3 and three after a blowout win over Idaho. Well, BYU decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do the exact same thing we did to Idaho and go out and win 42-7. to seven. That's what the final score was for BYU as they took care of business against New Mexico State. Jake Heaps returned to start this game after Riley Jensen, as we talked about on our last time we talked about this, he actually suffered broken ribs and also a partially collapsed lung. That's one of the things we learned from that game against Idaho is that he was severely injured and the hope was that he might be able to return for BYU in the bowl season. Well, as we will discover, he made a miraculously or very quick recovery and actually returned in sooner than that, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. But Jake 
keeps came out early through an interception that actually gave New Mexico State their lone touchdown on the game. But then Heap settled in, passed for 238 yards, four touchdowns, uh, two of them going uh, to uh uh, to Ross Oppo, his favorite target during his time at BYU. Oppo finished the game as BYU's leading receiver. Five receptions for 66 yards and two touchdowns. Impressive stuff for BYU, all things considered in this game because, like I said, they just essentially did the exact same thing they did the week previous in their blowout win over Idaho and just carried it over to this game against New Mexico State. Now, New Mexico State was a, actually a better team than Idaho was overall. BYU outgained uh, the Aggies 411 to 249, outrushed the Aggies 173 yards to 90 yards overall. Uh, Jay, uh, J.J. Luigi in his final game in a BYU uniform at home at Lavelle Edwards Stadium led the Cougars in rushing with 75 yards on the day. Uh, they also rushed for two touchdowns, those both coming from Brian Correa and Matt Marshall. His first carry and one of his few carries as a BYU Cougar went for a touchdown to put BYU up 28-7 to in this game. So... There's not like, and I feel like I'm, I'm doing a disservice in a way recapping games like this because there's just not a lot to talk about. But the biggest thing for BYU was with these schedules, the schedule they had in 2011, there was a lot of lightweights on that schedule. And all you really could do is just go out and win those games. So with the win, BYU was 8 and 3, and afterwards officially accepted their invite to play in the Bell, Holo- Bell Helicopter Armed Forces Bowl. They would be going to Fort Worth, Texas, uh, to the home field of TCU out there, MG Carter Stadium, and they would be playing. Playing in that bowl game. They officially announced the acceptance of that bowl invite after this game, but they had one more game two weeks later. They actually had a, a, a regular season finale week by, in a way. Uh, BYU actually had a home game headed uh, to Hawaii on December 3rd. Well, we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. What do you do with a week off in late November? Well, you get Riley Jensen, uh, not Riley Jensen, Riley Nelson healthy and get him back on the football field and go have some fun in the sun down there in Honolulu, and we'll talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. There you go. You are caught up to date on everything going on with BYU, but once again, a lot going on with the BYU football program, and who knows what uh, is going to be happening in future days, but we'll have it all covered for you guys. One thing I do want to talk about on tomorrow's show, uh, Jeff Hansen did a good job with this. I went and uh, looked at some of the stuff he was doing over at Cougar Sports Insider. There should be some optimism uh, for some of the players coming back for BYU as they kick off the Big 12 era. Why? Well, they're PFF grades. Pro Football Focus, a website that I subscribe to, uh, grades every single player, every single play. Well, they have some interesting grades for guys that will be returning to BYU this fall. Should that give BYU more optimism, as we talked about earlier on on today's show, about what they can accomplish uh, going into the Big 12. We'll hold that for tomorrow's edition of the podcast. Once again, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys' support, your comments, your your interaction. It truly makes my world go round that you guys love this show as much as you do. Hopefully you guys will be continuing to subscribe from many, many moons to come. But regardless, thank you once again for making us your first listen. Go make your second listen, our friends, over the Locked On Big 12 podcast. It's a great way to get caught up on all the Big 12 news in one spot in 30 minutes or less. Get it free and available wherever you get your podcast. Also, catch it on YouTube with Josh Neighbors. I'm Jay Catch. Once again, thank you for joining us. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.